Hey, podcast listeners, big, exciting news. We will be recording an episode of this podcast live from the main stage at BroadwayCon, and we want you to be a part of it. The episode will be called Fandemonium, and it will be all about celebrating the relationships between fans and their heroes in the Broadway community. Do you want to be interviewed on the main stage as part of the episode? If so, make a 90-second video telling us who from the Broadway community has inspired you the most. Did they encourage you to go for a career in theater? Did they give you words of advice at the stage door? Did their work inspire you in a deeply personal way? Share your passion with us and also be sure to include who you are, where you're from, and why you're going to BroadwayCon. Share your video with us via our Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr page with the hashtag BroadwayConPodcast, and you could be a part of this amazing episode. There are, of course, some rules and guidelines, so be sure to check out BroadwayCon.com slash podcast before entering. Okay, now to the show. I know a place where you belong. Come follow me. And join the song. Welcome to BroadwayCon! The podcast. The show for the theater kid in all of us. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. There's no getting around it, you guys. I have a full-on lady crush on today's guest, Tony winner Lena Hall. I first met Lena by accident backstage at Kinky Boots when I mistook her dressing room for a utility closet. It was humiliating. I first saw her on stage in this really strange, almost sideshowy production called Empire Spiegel World, which was performed in a tent in a parking lot in the theater district. You know, before that was cool. She made her Broadway debut in 1999 in Cats. She went on to perform in Dracula the Musical, 42nd Street, Tarzan, and Kinky Boots, before winning her Tony Award for the role of Yitzhak in the 2014 production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And the American Theater Wing's Tony goes to... Lena Hall, Hedwig and the Angry Itch. Oh no, God, I only have 90 seconds! Oh no! She has so many interesting things to say about taking chances and being who you are, which is very in line with some of the themes of BroadwayCon. I just adore her, and I'm really excited to share this conversation. So, here we go. Hey, girl. Hi, how are you? I am over the moon. Thank you for having us in your apartment. Your apartment is so cute. We're sitting here with your puppy and your Tony Award. I'm just kidding. Your Tony's across the room. Yes, my Tony's across the room. (laughs) Behind a plant. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend who has an Emmy, and it's literally on a shelf underneath. Like, you can't see it. It's basically in a drawer. That's, well, I would never put her in in a drawer. Yeah. Well, right. Is Tony a her or a he? I guess it's kind of androgynous, isn't it? Totally. And I mean, like, you would know from androgyny, right? But I mean, it's the Antoinette Perry Award, so. Oh, that's true. Female, but calling it a Tony would be kind of androgynous because Tony can be for a girl or a guy. Right. (laughs) It's very forward. (laughs) Um, Are you ready to talk some BroadwayCon? I am. Well, first I wanted to say, so the, the whole idea behind this podcast is to sort of like get to know the theater kid and all of us. It's like, oh, Lena Hall's a Tony winner and she's done all these great shows, but we're not going to talk about any of that. We just want to get to know you as like a theater person. What do you think? That sounds good. <laughs> so tell me first, I, I saw you at BroadwayCon last year. I remember seeing you in the make like in the green room. And I was like, is that Lena? I can't. Is that, I'm not. And then I awkwardly came up to you and said, hi, what were you doing at BroadwayCon last year? Um, I was performing. I did I did a bunch of different things for them. I did the karaoke one, which was fun, and then and then th- there was that big huge snowstorm. Right. So like everyone had to cancel. No one was coming in, and uh, and I came in and I did an early morning, like I I opened the 
finale, I guess, the final day, oh. singing like Lullaby of Broadway. What uh, did you think? Wasn't it like the funnest thing ever? Yeah, it was really cool. It's um, it's kind of like oh, finally, there's like a, um, a convention for nerds, <laughs> for, for Broadway nerds. Like, what was the reaction to you? Did people just like freak out when they saw you? Uh, I mean, a little when I would walk around, like looking at the place, a lot of people would come up to me and have me sign the those trading cards. Oh, right. Yeah, the squig trading cards, and then a lot of people had stuff for me to sign. Uh, around, but I was just kind of checking it out, and it has a lot of potential. You know, the first year is always kind of when you figure things out, and um, and over time, it just I think it it can grow really big. It, yeah. it has a lot of potential, and I think it's great for Broadway folks because it's a way for us to kind of do our own thing, as as like you know, not just be uh, connected with to, with a show, but also have our own thing that we can kind of um, give to the fans right yeah totally of course and like get to like be yourself around the people yeah i think it's great i also did i did one i forget i did a a like uh a panel oh right that was fun yeah yeah um, I just was remembering how the very first time I ever actually met you, I just have to share this. I, I told you this the last time, but I remember I was backstage at Kinky Boots. My friend was going on for Lauren, and so she was in Annalise's dressing room. Mm-hmm. And I went to the bathroom, and I went to wash my hands. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a bathroom. There wasn't a sink in the bathroom, and I saw a sink. And it was, I thought it was like – I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a closet. And I went in, and I was washing my hands, and I turned around, and then there you were. And then I totally freaked out. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that 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 – so that, that floor, that was just me and Annalise's floor, and we had our dresser that we shared, and we all became kind of like this little trio. like, yeah. and, uh, and it was funny because everyone would come up to that floor, but they'd forget I was on it because I was in the back corner. And so everyone would just go say hi to Annalise. They'd be like, hi, Annalise. And she'd be like, hi. And I'd be sitting there like, Hello? <laughs> I, I remember I just said to you, I said, um, Sorry, I saw you in Spiegel World. Yeah, and you were so amazing. <laughs> I'm really thrilled. I'm such an idiot. All right, let's get into it. You can you tell us when you were growing up? When when did you when did when did when did you realize that theater would be something that would be like a, a thing in your life? Well, ooh, that's hard to say because I was always exposed to it as a kid early on. I guess I guess when my mom took me to see Cats when I was nine. <gasps> That's fortuitous. Yeah, she took me to see cats, and I was like, cats are from outer space. <laughs> and um, and I loved it. And uh, I told my mom afterwards, I was like, I'm going to do that. I did. But, like, I told my mom when I was nine, uh, I was like, I'm going to do that. And then she got me the, like, we got the the record, the original London cast recording record from the library. And I remember uh, we would play it all the time, and I would dance around in the living room to that. I'm curious about how starting to do theater when you were a kid, how, how did that affect your life? Like, did, did it help you make friends or did it, did it affect your self-esteem or like, was it, was it meaningful for you when you were young? Yeah. I'm, when I did, let's see, my first theater production when I was 12 and that was West Side Story with um, the Young People's Teen Musical Theater Company and it's a mouthful in San Francisco. And um, my sister had been in that company before and I had just been doing ballet 
um, just. I had been, like, really training to be, like, a professional ballerina at that point in my life. And um, and I wanted to do theater, and I ended up doing West Side Story, and I loved it so much I decided to quit ballet. And I didn't quit ballet fully. Like, I still was going to class and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't want to be a prima ballerina. I didn't want it to be... I didn't want it to be my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... You had this really really interesting childhood I know because I saw your show at 54 Below where you were talking about your growing up that show was um I didn't breathe the entire time because it was just oh my god it was incredible it was yeah your show was amazing can you talk a little bit about your (laughs) what I'm so surprised are you serious I'm always well it's it's a hard thing because I I have this weird thing someone pointed it out to me the other day they're like you're really confident, and then you're not confident at all. <laughs> they're, like, they're, like, they're like, it's so weird. Like, you're, you're super, like, self, I don't know, you're, you're um, yeah, you're super confident, and then all of a sudden you'll turn around and you'll be just totally, like, um, uh, what's the word? I wish I had better words for it. Well, it, it's interesting that you said that, because the night that we saw your show, there was, like, this weird corporate dinner thing happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. And you were not having it. You, like, you literally, you were like, can you guys please be quiet? Well, yeah. I mean, you were, you totally did it. The, I mean, the entire audience was on your side and was so grateful that you did it. But it was very, like, you were there, you were telling your story, and, and they were going to listen. Yeah, well, and also, you know... W- when, as a performer, I guess I was trying to like start to break down my own personal barrier of telling personal stories about my life. I usually stayed way far away from it because I didn't really want anyone to know know about me. And um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna try to do this and tell very, very, very personal stories. I mean, they're extremely personal moments, and um, and it's like when you do that. It's very nerve-wracking because you're putting yourself out there and nothing was made up. Everything was very true. And uh, then you have people talking over you and yeah. you're like, look, I'm sorry. It's not this kind of venue. Mm-hmm. It, this is this is kind of a rock show, but it's not where you can just talk underneath what's going on. Um, so you got to pay attention because I'm telling you guys stories. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and they they kind of they kind of didn't understand and it was it's just so distracting when you're trying to tell a story and there isn't music playing, right? Mm-hmm. When people are talking because it's just like it takes away your focus, it completely um, it it just takes away what the importance of what you're trying to say. Yeah. I love that too. It was so funny because at 54 below the, um, during the most like personal, like difficult story for me to tell, they, the waiters would pass out the checks. <laughs> I'd be like, can you guys do that a little bit later? Or maybe a little earlier, just not right there. That has to be a really hard job, like figuring out when to drop the – because you know what I mean? I feel like all those shows at 54 Below are kind of like that. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But you had this, like, really colorful childhood in which you were – you were, you know, you had like you grew up in like the Haight Ashbury district of San Francisco in this like old brownstone, and your parents were hippies, and their friends were hippies and artists, and you know, y- you were one of those people that like art really shaped you when you were a kid. It seems like. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, I, um, I, I grew up in um, I love that you said brownstone. Oh, was it not? You're so used to um, <laughs> New York. <laughs> we call them brownstones here in New York, but in San Francisco, they're Victorians. Mm. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Feel Victorians. Do they look like brownstones that we have here? No, because the architecture is different. So the architecture is much more elaborate, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're called the Painted Ladies, these old Victorians. Oh. Yeah. It's what you see on, like, the opening credits for Full House. Totally. Or Fuller House. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I watched one episode. Not going to lie. And uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's that very... It's called Victorian architecture. It was done. They were built uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, and it was a very elaborate, yeah, kind of way. And so you grew up there, like, and 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 you're—I don't know—I just have this image of you as like a young kid. You kind of look like what I like. You're the adult version of what I ima- like. What I imagine. How do I say this? My kid looks a lot like you, I think. And so I imagine you, like my kid's face on, on your your body when you were her age. So just imagine you as like this little arty kid, like growing up in this really liberal arty world. Is that right? Yeah. I was always, um, I was always at ballet class. I mean, my, my, my parents, uh, my dad was like the, like the, the hippie uh, choreographer, you know, he would choreograph the first psychedelic ballet and the first rock and roll ballet and he was kind of a pioneer for the ballet world to kind of break that traditional ballet mold in san francisco in 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 the in the late 60s and in the 70s wow and then um so then i came along and uh and they were still choreographing for ballet companies and so they took me everywhere i was always on the floor at ballet class and like as a baby just hanging at ballet class and just <laughs> hanging backstage at the opera house and like uh held by all kinds of famous uh, opera singers and and famous artists and that kind of stuff and i i was raised by the lgbtq community i was raised by drag queens i was <laughs> raised by transgenders i was raised by everything anything everything that walked in the door um and uh so for me it's you know, it's all kind of a non-thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't view people in any way other than just, like, family. Because cause why else? Like, what would I... It kind of... I mean, yeah, it's just, like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's, it's interesting to me that people can grow up with such prejudice. Right. And um, have such harsh um, stereotypes against people. But... I, I would never understand that point of view because I was grown up in such an open environment, yeah. right? No, like open creatively, open like environment, sexually open environment. <laughs> like not for me. I kind of rebelled against what I was um, raised in and I kind of was much more straight. Well, kind of. I was. I was much more straight-laced, much more career-oriented, much, like, uh, much more money-oriented than my entire family. And... Uh, and that drive to be different than my family, kind of with the with everything that they taught me infused, I think really helped me succeed. That's so interesting. Let, can we talk about that a little bit? When did you when did you start to take it all really seriously and decide it was going to be your career? Um, I think the minute I I started doing it, really? like the minute I started doing musical theater. I was just like, I love this. Like, I love being, you know, I, 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 I loved performing. I loved dancing, but I really loved to sing. I loved to act. I loved, you know, I, I loved all that. So I really, I really wanted to do it, but I was a bit, I was a bit, um, I guess, because of the 
rebellion. I was kind of, I was torn because I was like, but I kind of want to be a doctor. Really? Yeah, like maybe maybe I'll be a lawyer or an accountant because I love numbers. Like I love money and I love numbers and like maybe I'll want to wow. be an accountant or something. And uh, And my parents, they weren't, supportive of that <laughs> which is weird <laughs> but also we didn't have any money I mean I I grew up in a very like a very artistic family that while they were very successful artistically um <laughs> there was we had no money mm-hmm. and uh and so anytime I wanted to go to do some kind of like a summer school for like a like a like a pre-med kind of summer school thing that was like like a pre-pre-med it was like an introduction into the medical fields um they just couldn't afford it, so I would never be able to go. And I'd end up doing musical theater over the summer. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, you know, looking into colleges, like, I just, we couldn't afford any any college, so I didn't even take my SATs. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, if I remember correctly, you got cast in Cats, like, somewhere, like in San Francisco or something, right? Mm-hmm. And that brought you to New York. Yeah. I went to an open call when I was 17. Wow. I got cut and I took, they took me on the road and then they brought me to Broadway. It was my first Broadway show. And uh, I was so young and naive, but, <laughs> but it was an amazing experience. And that Cats is coming back. It's such a trip. And that, you know, I have, I have a love for that show simply because I saw it when I was nine. And, um, and I, I still believe Cats are from outer space. <laughs> and did you see the BuzzFeed article? No. There's a BuzzFeed article on like, a hundred thoughts I had while watching cats. <laughs> and honestly, I died. I died because they're like, cats are from space. Like, <laughs> and I was like, yes. That's yes, like, it, it makes me think of Alf. Do you remember Alf? Yes. Because Alf was from outer space and he ate cats. Is that right? Oh my God. He ate cats. Yeah. I'll give you $10 out of my pocket right now. If you can tell me the planet Alf is from. Mm-mm. I don't know. Malmac. Oh my God. How do you know that? I don't know. So when you came to New York and you were doing Cats on Broadway, what was it like for you to be a part of the Broadway scene at that time? Was it just like Bright Lights, Big City? Yeah, I don't... I went out a little. I don't remember much. Um, Not because I was like going out all the time or anything. I just... It was a long time ago. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was a hard show. Uh, I remember... I don't know. I... I was really focused on finding, like, buying an apartment. Uh-huh. Did you? Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah, I bought an apartment up on 181st Street in Riverside for, like, $100,000. Oh, my God. What a great neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, and then I sold it right at the height of the market, so. Oh, wow. And, it, and that, that money that I made on the flip will paid for my Tony Award, basically. It wow. kind of afforded me the, the, uh, the freedom to say no to jobs just because so I didn't have to do something for money. So I stayed open for more specific roles that were more appropriate for what I wanted to do on Broadway. That is amazing. Who was coming into your orbit back then in the Cats days that you were like, that you would like, that you were sort of like gaga over? Orbit? Like who would you bump into or see at shows or backstage that you were kind of like, oh my God, that's a hero. And you would like, are you the kind of person that like freaks out over people? No. <laughs> I'm fan. Like I'm a, I'm a fan. Like I'm a huge fan of Patti LuPone, mm-hmm. and uh, I get a trip. Like it's, it's like a, 
it's like a trip to meet people like that you know it's like you're like wow did you meet her oh yeah oh yeah yeah tell me she well i met her after hedwig and and i love her and she was just like i don't know how you fucking do that you're fucking amazing i was like (laughs) i love you you were everything i want you to be and then I saw her backstage again at some uh, at a benefit th- thing we were doing, and uh, I wasn't singing, but she was singing that night. And she was like, "You're not singing? What a fucking waste!" And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and then uh, I, she just requested me to sing for this um, honor to to honor her up at a tr- Jesus. I can't remember the name of the, the oh the, oh the Saint John the Divine. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. At Saint John the Divine. She requested me to sing for her, and so I came. And I was like a little surprise, and uh, I sang Evita for her, oh. which was so terrifying. What song? But it was really cool. I did, I did. Don't cry for me into Rainbow High. Oh my god! It was really cool. Oh my god! It was really cool. And afterwards, she was just like, "You've got to play Evita. I would kill to see that." I was like, "Aw, that's amazing. That is amazing." Yeah. I would listen to her on like on my cast recordings back in the day, and be like. But you know, Penelope, you know what I mean? Like, I love her. I love her. Can, who else do you love? Um, let me see. Well, like, Jesse Tyler Ferguson is also oh, a sweetie, God. sweetie poo. But, like, Josh Groban has become just one of my good friends, and that'll spawn from Hedwig. I mean, he came and saw the show, and then he followed me on Twitter. And I was like, what's up, Josh Groban following me on Twitter? <laughs> And then we ended up becoming friends. And, and like tour mates. And tour mates, yeah. And he's been nothing but positive for me. And he's such a, a wonderful soul. He's such a wonderful human being. I mean, he really deserves everything and more that he has. But, like, he deserves more than what he has. Not How's he going to be in Natasha Pierre? He's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I think it's not fair of people to really, like, put so much pressure on him. I mean, he's not used to the, like... The eight show a week kind of thing. This is new for him, and he's he should have been doing it a long time ago. But I think that that the like the media pressure and and the being afraid of the reviewers and just like that, it's not. It I think it's kept him a little bit from doing it, mm-hmm. you know, from jumping into it. And um, I don't think that's fair because. He's going to be fantastic. Yeah, and this show's amazing. It's going to be so great to have it on Broadway. He's going to be so good. Yeah. I'm so excited for him. So, last question. Just in terms of, like, Broadway Con in general and, like, what they do. What? <laughs> no, this is um, uh, this is perfect. Um, what, you know, part of the thing that we do at Broadway Con is, like, have conversations. Like, we put together those panels and, mm-hmm. you know, we. Ha- what kinds of conversations would you like to see us have? Like, what, what do you think would be beneficial to sort of be, um, like, what sort of, what can we wring out of these conversations we're having and, and what kinds of conversations would be moving us in the right direction? I think, um, I, I think talking about, um, um, casting. Yeah. Um, non-traditional casting, I guess. Like trying to find a way to view roles and characters, sexless, like anything less, like, um, <laughs> I was gonna say skinless, <laughs> which is so not the word. Skinless, ew. You know what I mean. Yes. You know what I mean. Colorless. Colorless. It's very odd to me because there are people who really push for you know non-traditional casting, or and and they do it in a way where like 
I mean, I appreciate it. Like, I appreciate the non-traditional casting. It, you know, it should go out there to multiple ethnicities. I mean, it, it's such a, it's so dumb when like, like all the Asian people aren't working because there isn't one Asian show on Broadway, right? You're like, well, yeah. that doesn't make sense totally. because you're all incredibly talented. So the, why can't you have, why can't you have like an Asian like Christine mm-hmm. in Phantom or something like that? You know, it doesn't we make do now. any sense. You do? She's Asian. The one that's doing it right now, she's getting all kinds of press for it. I can't think of her name, but she's apparently amazing. Yes. Yeah. Like I was so annoyed. I, I was so annoyed at the ballet world. There's something like Dance Theater of Harlem. They've, you know, and... And that's all black ballet dancers, and they're incredible. But, like, the ballet world was like, it's the first black prima ballerina, Misty Copeland. And I'm like, and it only took three centuries to get there. Like, what the fuck is right. wrong with the world? Like, and, like, it's it just seems so weird to me that, like, that, you know, there's it's, like, such a congratulatory And I'm really glad she, like, broke that mold. But it's still, it's, like, it boggles my mind. That they would that they would be like, hey, look, and it's like, you know what? Fuck you, man. It took you, it took you century, like a century to get there, mm-hmm. you know. And and it seems so wrong and backward. It just seems so wrong and backwards <laughs> that it took so long to yeah. get there, and it's still taking time. Like there's so much of that going on when we just have to be like, okay, how can we as a as a community, like musical theater community, TV film, um, find some equality when it comes to casting, or at least cast the people who are the most talented for the role and 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 write for the role, regardless of gender and like all that kind of stuff. Because gender is now becoming a thing, totally. where there's people who are gender fluid, and and it would be cool to to maybe cast a woman. As like as like uh, in, in like <laughs> in like a typical male role, but they would bring something so different to it, and I I, I just think, you know, I, maybe people don't think that the audience is ready for something like that, but I I. I I think they would be surprised. Lena Hall, you're incredible. I'm obsessed with you. Thank you for having me to your house. Yeah, thank you for coming over. I might not leave. I might just stay. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So, for another project I've been working on, I've been following the cast and creative team of Fun Home around like a lost puppy for the last few weeks. I'm in awe of all of them. This past week, I got to sit down with Janine Tesori for our second interview, and I wanted to share a little piece of that interview here. Now that Fun Home is gone, at least from Broadway, I asked Janine to reflect over some of the show's groundbreaking accomplishments, including the fact that she and Lisa Crone made history at this year's Tony Awards as the first all-female composing team to win Best Original Score of a Musical. One other thing to know, when she mentions Caroline here, she's referring to the musical Caroline or Change, for which she wrote the music. You were born on this farm, here's our house. Inside. 
just sort of broadly, how important was it? How was it meaningful to you to have like your hand in writing this show that had that was like this a show about a lesbian who was the protagonist of the show? It's like who who the story was about to run on Broadway and be so celebrated. Well, it was it was huge for me, but it was also it was huge when we had Caroline. Uh, you know, I I really for for me, I've I've had to at points, especially when the points where you, where writers um, you struggle as a writer financially, choosing the stories, the the stories that I write, um, are, I'm I've been able to write things that I want to write, but there are certain things that fund the things that don't run that you just think. You know, Caroline was a huge hit at the public, but didn't run on Broadway. I had no reason to believe that Fun Home wasn't going to be the same thing. And so I I, I, th- I was really, really proud. First of all, it recouped. And there are people who put up cold, hard cash. And that's a great risk. And I was really pleased for them and also for people who might look to them afterwards and say they that risk paid off. Um, so that means maybe there's there's an, an, a new uh, there's a, there's a way that we can also look to that as we look to other people uh, and 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 do it with our show. So that was really big and and, and I loved writing for uh, a, a, a person who has not really been seen in musical theater in an authentic way and as a human kind of way you know not as a walk-on not as a I mean you know in 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 shows where everybody is treated equally and people get made fun of and all that I it's not been true for um for gay women yeah absolutely last question <clears throat> going into the Tony Awards, like going to the actual evening of the Tony Awards, you know, you and Lisa stood to like make history and then you did. Was that, how was, like, what, was that, was that, how, that's such a stupid trite question, but like how was it for you to like not only win the Tony Award, but like for what it meant for women and, and the, you know, the world of musical theater? You know, it's not a, it's not a stupid question. I, I, um, I don't think about it that much. I wasn't thinking about it that night. I was really proud to be with Lisa. I was really um, somewhat disgusted that it, it, it was the first time in, in 2015 um, that uh, that happened like that so late. So I think it was a combination of many emotions. I was so relieved to, after four or five nominations, to to get that award. It was really important to me. And, and awards are very tricky. I really don't like art competing. You know, let's put Kogan uh, against Monet and see who beats each other. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. We won't, you don't do it with paintings, you, but we do it with a lot of work. You know, there's a prize, there's a golden shiny thing and who doesn't want it? I do. I'm really happy when my Metro card goes through. And I really mean that. I've said that many times, but every time it goes through, I think, yay. And, you know, my family's like, you paid for that. It should go through. And I said, I know, but it's just such a nice feeling when it says, like, go. Because <laughs> I'm always thinking, you know, um, what is that uh, when it, they say about the fair? Oh, insufficient fair. Insufficient fair. We always just say like, they've been insufficient fared. I'm so insufficient fared all the time. It's always when you're running. Totally. So I, I don't think about it too much. I think it's in, in, in a way um, it would get in my way in my head um i i feel like that's my job my job is to write 
thank God, um, I'm really grateful to have that job. And that's the job and someone else's job is this and that. And so I, I try not to think of the meaning behind it. However, when there are people uh, who come and say, you know, I'm, my daughter is writing, uh, she's writing a musical, I think, okay, that's so gratifying. That is really gratifying. When, when I can hear that there's something I've been a part of, a shift, then it's gratifying. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to say about Fun Home? Oh, uh, you know, Fun Home's on tour. They were just starting, they just started tech in Cleveland. And that is, uh, I think it's a, it really is a miraculous feeling that that show, no matter what happens, is going into the United States. Uh, it's, I, again, I'm just, I'm really proud of the producers for risking taking any show. Any show is a risk, but some are more than others. It's not a sure thing. And, um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm really happy, and also it's a sacrifice on a uh, actors leaving their home wherever they are and going on the road. I did it a lot when I was young, but Grandma is too old to do it now. <laughs> but I will go visit them. So it's just a, a shout out, I guess, to them. Janine Tesori, I am in awe of you. I can't believe I'm sitting in your office for a second time. I know it's two for us. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Thank you so much. Both times, great. Bye. Bye. Welcome to our house on Maple Avenue. Broadwaycon the podcast is a partnership between Broadwaycon Media and Theater Podcast Productions. Episodes are produced and edited by me, Patrick Hines. Just as a reminder, tickets for Broadwaycon 2017 are now on sale. You can find information and tickets at broadwaycon.com. If you just can't wait for our next episode to get your theater podcast fix, you can check out my other podcast. It's called Theater People. We do long-form interviews with Tony winners, Broadway legends, and today's brightest theater stars. You can find us on iTunes or Google Play or anywhere else that podcasts live. We'll be back in two weeks with our interview with Tony nominee Laura Osnes. Until then, we ask you to remember this. If you get really pissed and will cut someone slack When they call the cast album a freaking soundtrack You're a fan, you're fantastic, you're part